11-year MLS pro Quincy Marroquois here, and you're now listening to The Perfect Soccer Podcast, where your host goes one-on-one to get to know your favorite professional soccer players, both on and off the pitch. Because how better to learn what it takes to become a pro soccer player other than directly from pro soccer players? Today's episode is brought to you by PerfectSoccerSkills.com, the number one and only platform you'll ever need to connect with and learn from pro soccer players. Learn more and enter to win weekly soccer prizes, goals, balls, jerseys, player meet and greets, and more by heading over to PerfectSoccerSkills.com PSTM to enter to win for free today. With that said, please enjoy today's episode. What's up, everybody? I'm back for another episode of the Perfect Soccer Podcast. Our special guest today is Matt Bersano. Matt, how's it going? It's good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, appreciate you coming on. And uh, let's just go back in time a little bit. What was your first memory of playing soccer? First memory of playing soccer was, I could, memory told to me was <laughs> uh, when I first started playing, my family said that I was three years old and I would go off and throw rocks in the canal that was by, <laughs> by, by the field. Um, I was the youngest of four, mm-hmm. so I kind of got into it a little bit early and they felt I was ready at the age of three cause I would always be at my brother's practice and stuff and passing the ball around and everything. And so they're like, yeah, he's ready to go. Put me out there at three, three years old, family kind of left, came back a couple minutes later. I was over skipping rocks at the canal that was right next to the field. So <laughs> that'd be the first memory told to me, but my first memory playing is definitely watching my brother, watch my brother pra- practice when I was growing up and kind of then starting to integrate more into his practices and he was four years older than me. So that was kind of a cool experience. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's a, that that's like something that I keep on hearing is just somebody's older sibling or their parent that they saw playing soccer and then that's how they got involved in it. Yeah. Uh, honestly, it's, when it's in the family, I feel like it's kind of playing sports was definitely a, I don't know, a part of everybody's like youth mm-hmm. growing up and whatnot. Yeah. But when my brother was playing soccer, my dad was coaching. It was definitely something that kind of, I fell in love with at an early age and just kind of rolled with it. Yeah, so I got to ask, did you play any other sports growing up? Growing up, uh, I did baseball for a bit. I wasn't um, the biggest fan, but uh, I, en- I enjoyed it. I did. I love playing basketball, but I just love playing competitively. But like for some reason, I don't know what it was, I started playing goalkeeper when I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I kind of had success real early and just kind of went with it. And it just was always the number one for me. Like I enjoyed playing other sports and stuff with friends, mm-hmm. but you would find me on Arizona days. I'm from Tempe, Arizona. You'd find me whether it was 110 out or whether it was 60 in the winter, like you'd find me outside with the ball at my feet almost all the time. So that's kind of just what it was from a, from a super early age. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I always ask everybody, uh, were you able to play uh, high school soccer and club soccer or did you only play club soccer? I was able to play high school soccer and club soccer up until my senior season where I moved to the Real Salt Lake Residency Academy. And at that time, uh, we just played in – the academy mm-hmm. 2000 and uh 2011 uh just the whole season so i had to move I, I i went to a completely different school i went and lived in a basically hotel mm-hmm. with 26 other players for yeah. for a year it was quite the experience yeah what was that like just being even younger than a high school i mean you were what like 17 yeah i was 17 when i moved there i think it was it was i enjoyed it uh i had a bit different experience than maybe some of the other guys because i had actually trained with the first team the year before 
Okay. So my, my first time training with a professional club was in 2010. I did, I did preseason with Real Salt Lake. They needed a goalkeeper while they were in Arizona. And so I played with mm-hmm. them for about three weeks in preseason. And at the time I was, uh, I think it was 16, 17 or something like that. And I had kind of had that experience with Salt Lake and I'd, I'd done a couple other traveling tournaments with their like under 17 team before they actually had an academy mm-hmm. and they would fly me out and I'd go and just play with whatever, whatever team, half the guys from Utah, half the guys from Arizona. Yeah. So when they actually made a full residency academy, it was like a no brainer to go be a part of it. And it was actually coached by Greg Vanny, who mm-hmm. is the head coach for Toronto FC right now. And so playing under him, uh, obviously he was still building his way up to the career where he's at right now, where Toronto FC is just a fantastic organization. Um, just being a part of that was, was, was an awesome experience. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and then what about, what was your recruiting process like uh, for college? It was interesting because coming out of Arizona, there were no academies prior to that. Mm-hmm. And so I had committed to Oregon State my junior year. I was actually training with the first team for Real Salt Lake. And then I went out and flew on my, flew on my uh, unofficial visit or something. Loved the school, loved being on the West Coast. Liked the idea of getting to play the teams like UCLA and Cal and stuff try to kind of build Oregon state into, into a program that would be something to be proud of. And I, I loved my time there, but uh, immediately after joining the Academy for my senior season, I got like nine full ride offers at other places. And just that didn't come before. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't regret committing early, but definitely having the Academy environment uh, around you presented a, a lot more opportunities. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, after you received all those offers, was there any, like hesitation to go there was there did you come back and say like oh this is my final three um no I, I i committed early and then i got those offers a couple of them were were great organizations like uh mm-hmm. like michigan and and uh, wisconsin so being in the big 10 and then a couple even were in the pac 12 and mm-hmm. i just liked the idea i'd met a couple of the other guys that were heading out to Oregon State for that year and stuff and i was just like you know what i i committed this, this is something i gave my word to i'm gonna give it a go and at the time they had had uh either i think it was a losing season so i was like i mean i love to just go be a part of this and like kind of try to build it yeah. and while it might have taken a little bit longer than i thought i was going to it was good just to at least do that commit to that and get my degree from Oregon State yeah, I mean that's awesome that you that you stayed committed to the team that you you said you were going to do. Yeah, it's I, I feel like sometimes it's just not quite as normal because yeah. uh, of course, but better gigs come up at Oregon State. My scholarship, my first few years, weren't the full rides that I was getting before, and mm-hmm. I know it was going to cost my family a little bit of money. I had student loans for my freshman year. Uh, we were able to make it work. We kind of I took a, a little bit of online classes to make the tuition cheaper. Mm-hmm. and w- was able to like make the best of the situation but yeah i feel like the easy way out definitely could have been just to transition to a place that was going to be completely free but i just like the idea of how close i'd be on the west coast and the competition mm-hmm. of the pac-12 and uh, at that time like i couldn't i couldn't see myself going somewhere else and playing against oregon state twice a year i just felt like that would just have been disrespectful on that one <laughs> yeah for sure and then what yeah what about what was your whole experience like at oregon state Oregon State was awesome. Uh, it was it was a bummer way to start out though. I come in my first week of preseason. I uh, landed on the end of my uh, end of my toes and and broke my ankle. Oh. Um, so I ended up being out for about four or five months or so for that one. And then during the recovery process of getting the ankle back sharp, I tore an, my uh, an umbilical wall in my hernia. So I had an umbilical hernia, and I ended up missing another two months or so because of that. So in my freshman year, I missed about seven months. And it gave me that medical redshirt that w- allowed me to finish my schooling about a year early and then uh, transfer to Penn State for first semester. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, that, that just sounded painful when you said that. 
Yeah, I mean, the ankle's not supposed to bend that way. So the minute I landed on it, I knew it was, I knew something was bad. And you could just hear the pop. Like I had a teammates and stuff that were 50 yards away and were like, what was that? And it was the sound of my tendon tearing on my on the top of my – right near my knees. What about what, – what was your most memorable game at Oregon State? Um, Shoot, we had a couple uh, – we had in our last season, uh, last season there, we had some pretty fun ones. Uh, I would say probably beating Cal twice in a year was pretty awesome, home and away. That was my favorite part about Oregon State was that every single year you played every team in the conference because there's only six, mm-hmm. you play them home and away. And so no matter what, you knew you were going to San Diego, you knew you were going to LA, you knew you were going to, to Berkeley, all that stuff. And so I, I loved the idea of playing a team twice, getting to evaluate them again and stuff and, and do it all over again. Uh, I would say the best, the best experience was definitely beating Denver in the first round of playoffs which I believe was the farthest the, the school had ever gone was the first round of playoffs. So getting mm-hmm. to the next round and going to, going to play Creighton, that was a pretty awesome experience. Yeah, and what about like just being a goalie? Like what, what's the, what kind of pressure do you have like versus the players on the field? Like, I mean, you know, playing on, you know what I'm saying? Of course, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's just different. I think that's what I fell in love with at a young age. When I started playing at, at the age of eight, I was eight. I was playing with 10-year-olds or so. Mm-hmm. And then um, I just liked the fact that if I played well, we were more often going to win type of thing. You know, I gave, I I helped give a chance to the team to win. And and that's the idea is obviously if you have a great game, hopefully you don't get scored on. Right. So if you don't get scored on, you you don't lose. So it's just one of those where at a a young age, I kind of just fell in love with that idea and the pressure that came with it. And I went with it. Uh, As you get to an older age, especially when you're in the, when you go from the, the collegiate to the professional ranks, the pressure definitely changes. It gets a little bit more, um, you have other people at the level, but if there's a drop off around you, you're definitely isolated a bit. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting to see just the developments through the through the years of playing for sure. Yeah. Do you, do you think um, it's like you have the most pressure on you, like as a goalie? Um, I I could say you could get maybe pointed out, you get exposed the most, mm-hmm. but uh, I think maybe from a critic standpoint, it's easiest to blame a goalkeeper for stuff that goes wrong, but yeah. definitely the pressure these forwards feel if they don't score goals and stuff like that, that can definitely mm-hmm. affect the psyche of the team for sure. And so, yeah, I think the easy way out is to say, yeah, goalkeepers have the most pressure and stuff, but I mean, especially the way we play here, we do a pretty similar to man marking system. Um, it's kind of, every player has to do their job. And if you yeah. don't, it, you get exposed. And so that's yeah, kind of yeah, just how sure. it goes. For sure. For sure. Uh, and then, yeah, going back, so you graduated Oregon State, and then you transferred for a grad year at Penn State. Uh, what, what was that decision? How did you make that decision? So at the time of leaving Oregon State, I had been set to graduate in two and a half years, and it was almost almost three years, and I kind of um, took a couple easy classes to be able to extend it so I could play my uh, like junior uh, redshirt junior year at Oregon State mm-hmm. and then finish after the fall. Uh, I was a homegrown for Real Salt Lake and it was a pretty interesting process going through the whole ordeal because uh, Real Salt Lake had signed goalkeepers already. They didn't need me on, the, on, on their first team, but they offered me a contract for their second team, the Monarchs. I would have been the first ever player signed to the Monarchs, but mm-hmm. it was just something when I knew I had that extra year, uh, there's kind of no rush to sign that contract to be in the USL just yet. I knew obviously goalkeepers could play forever. And so I, I appreciated Craig Weibel. He was the, uh, he was the GM at the time for Real Salt Lake and was like uh he's like maddie uh you just go get your schooling in go 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 start your master's go get it paid for your your degree at at uh penn state would cost more than what you'd make this year it's kind of just how it goes in, in the u.s at the time so i went to uh i was looking at indiana and i was looking at 
Penn State because no matter what, I wasn't going to head back to, to Oregon State because I had spoken with the coaches and stuff already, and we had decided that my scholarship and stuff would go to the the player who had been under me for the last couple of years before that who was ready to take over. And so I felt like if I went back to Oregon State and kind of like took that scholarship back, it just wouldn't necessarily be for me, you know? Yeah. So I want to try something new. And then uh, I think my biggest fear at the time was like if I got drafted to somebody like like Red Bulls or, or Montreal or something, that's cold. I just had no experience playing in the cold. I came from Arizona and then I went to a temperate climate in Oregon. So what was it going to be like for me? So I was looking at Indiana and I was looking at Penn State. And uh, I certainly got what I asked for and had a couple cool games. It was definitely a, an interesting one over there. I mean, that was a smart choice by you. Before you go pro, let me try it out. Yeah, I mean, my, my fear, because obviously, like I said, I had done a couple I done a couple preseasons. So I trained with Salt Lake in 2010, and I trained again with Salt Lake in 2011 and 2012. Mm-hmm. And so I had three basically preseasons with Salt Lake before I went off to train with them in the summer. In 2013, I was in Chicago. 2014, I was with Kansas City. And then at 2015, while I was looking to transfer schools, I had done the entire preseason with, uh, with Sporting Kansas City. So... I had experience playing in these places. I'd gone to Kansas for a couple of weeks where everything was frozen and we were training like indoors almost. And it was just one of those, I was just, I didn't want to be at a massive disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a, I definitely enjoy uh, warm weather climate. I've been so lucky to be in San Jose this whole time, but if I was playing in, in Montreal's winter and we had to be outside or whatever, I, I just, I think I would have struggled. <laughs> I needed, I needed to experience that and getting to play a couple of games at Penn state. I remember we played Michigan one time mm-hmm. or I think it was Michigan state. I think it was like 17 degrees while we were playing, and it was horrible, but yeah. <laughs> it prepared me in a way that I definitely couldn't have gotten any other way. Hey, I'm in New England, so I know that weather well. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not envious of that. <laughs> um, oh, what did you what did you get your degrees in? So I uh, my my undergrad was in it was in rhetoric, which is basically speech communication. It, it could be a form of pre law diplomacy, which is what I kind of transitioned to at Penn State. I started my master's in School of International Affairs. And I enjoyed the. I enjoyed it. Um, I just knew it'd be difficult to finish it at Penn State because mm-hmm. the way the scholarship was set up was I wouldn't be able to kind of complete it until I finished playing soccer. Mm-hmm. I could go back on my scholarship and then complete my degree, but I got a bit impatient and I started my MBA through SNHU uh, last year. And I got about after this term, I have about six classes left gotcha. to do my MBA from SNHU. So, did you want to be a lawyer? I wanted to, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I enjoyed real estate. I liked mm-hmm. the negotiation and bargaining side of real estate. I liked um, the diplomacy side of it to where maybe at some point I could go play overseas or something and kind of mm-hmm. work situations into becoming like ambassadors and stuff if we want to stay there long term. And I, I liked that idea of it. I, I wasn't necessarily wanting to be a politician, didn't necessarily want to be a lawyer, but I enjoyed what rhetoric and argument brought to the table and kind of the, the broadness of it but it wasn't necessarily just a communication degree yeah. where you go to anything it was kind of structured to be towards something of that nature gotcha yeah that's awesome um and then yeah going into your pro career so you signed with the the usl team uh seattle sounders too so did see or did the yeah real salt lake not have your rights anymore it was an, it was that was why I swear, I, earlier I said it was interesting because um, originally, like I said, uh, Real Salt Lake had offered me a contract for mm-hmm. the Real Monarchs, and because they didn't offer me a first team contract, they should have lost my rights it, okay. because I graduated. I graduated from college. They should have lost my rights. It didn't happen that way. Um, the next year, I went back to school. Obviously, did preseason Kansas City. I went back to school, played the one season, and then when that season finished up. I was ready, you know, kind of expecting to go to the draft, all that type of stuff. And the draft list 
comes out the night before and there's 249 names on it and my name wasn't draft eligible. And mm-hmm. I was like, what, what's going on? And so my agent and I, like, we're trying to get a hold of the MLS. MLS says that I'm in negotiations with Real Salt Lake, which wasn't true. And Real Salt Lake said that I well, obviously told them that that wasn't what was happening. And they still had three signed goalkeepers. And then they knew I wasn't going to sign the USL team. So essentially, they would have lost my rights at that point. Mm-hmm. And I just wasn't draft eligible. So it was kind of a bizarre mental thing to go through because mm-hmm. I was kind of, you know, I had plans, you know, I was going to get drafted by this, go to preseason, whatever. And then all of a sudden, like the draft goes by and my name can't even be called. And yeah. uh, immediately, immediately when the draft ended, I got invited to seven preseasons. So it was pretty awesome experience from that side of it or whatever, you know, yeah. but getting invited to seven preseasons and having a contract are two completely different things. So I ended up going out to Seattle because that was the other team that if I didn't go train with Kansas City the year before, I would have gone out with Seattle. Mm-hmm. I ended up I ended up going out with Seattle and and um, with the first team for the whole preseason. Uh, they were trying to write up a contract to be a part of S two. They originally weren't going to sign goalkeepers to be with S two. I almost signed a pool goalkeeper spot at one point that season, and then eventually signed it signed the MLS contract or signed the USL contract with S two, mm-hmm. and just trained with the first team every day for that year. It was an awesome experience. It was mm-hmm. a bummer not to kind of go the way I wanted it to go. But I think that year taught me kind of what has led to the longevity of my career. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that whole story is crazy. I mean, that's crazy that you weren't draft eligible after all that. that that's, that's nuts. That's oh why, my God, man, I got a, I got a book of just stuff <laughs> like that. That's just like, you have a plan, man. Yeah. You, you, you play for all this, you work so hard and then you're like, yeah, this is going to go like this. And then I lit like, the night before the list comes out and I even had a couple of friends who were in the MLS and were like, yo, your name's not eligible. I was like, what, what does that mean? Not like how, how, I just don't understand how you could be a senior in the, in coming out of school. They know you're a senior and you can't go back into school and your name wouldn't be eligible. I feel like at that point you, anybody would be eligible. Right. Mm -hmm. But they had a list, 249 players who get put in. I, I remember the number specifically, and my name was not on it. Yeah. And I was like, that's not how that's supposed to work. Hey, I was already confused about the, the teams owning the rights before college and now you got me more confused about it. Uh, it's a mess, man. It's a mess. I've been on the, I've been on the PA for the last couple of years. It's a, it's a very intricate way that the league has set, up, has set things up for sure. The homegrown rights, territorial yeah. rights, all this kind of stuff. It, you can go on for days talking about that. Gotcha. Enjoy learning what it takes to become a better player from professional soccer players. Well, how would you like to work with professional players one-on-one? Now you can with B pro by perfect soccer. Head over to perfectsoccerskills.com slash B-E-P-R-O to apply to work with our network of pro players today. All right, well, all right, let's talk about uh, your your San Jose Earthquakes career so far. Uh, actually, what was your first USL game like, your first pro as a pro? Um, I almost debuted as a professional as a field player. What? So, yeah, we were playing against, um, we were playing against the, T2 Timbers 2 and we had a couple injuries had the first team had an away game a longer trip so they brought a couple of guys and we had maybe 14 players on our team and mm-hmm. I had a full kit and everything made out I was doing full warm-ups as a field player and we had somebody go down with a head injury and I was kind of inches away from getting subbed on as a center back <laughs> for my first debut and uh I would say thankfully, but I think it would have been pretty fun to go out there and do it like that. But thankfully, I didn't really have to go in. We ended up, the guy ended up just having like a cut or something like that. They fixed it up and he was good mm-hmm. to go. But yeah, I was fully ready to go and get my debut. And then it was kind of funny. A couple weeks later, uh, my friend had gotten, uh, my friend, his name is Charlie Lyon. He was in goal for S2. He had gotten elbowed in the face. 
or elbowed in the head. And when he came down, he kind of had a concussion. So I went in about the 77th minute or so and played the last 13 minutes of uh, a game in Oklahoma City. It was nuts. I went in probably third, like maybe less than a, less than a couple minutes later, had a breakaway, saved it. Guy kicked something off the line, and then we went and tied up the game like the 90th minute. It was awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. That's you got you got crazy stories, man. <laughs> yeah, it was that one, and then the, the because he had a concussion, he was out the whole next week, and it was kind of leading into the last game of the year. So I got my first start against Colorado Springs, which is actually an area where I have a bunch of friends in Denver. So got to have like all my closest friends who were in town that week, got to go watch the game and uh, just like the most insane moon picture that was taken there or whatever, because there's like an orange moon at the time. Mm -hmm. And that game actually is the film that San Jose saw when they first invited me to preseason because they watched me play at Oregon State and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. I guess San Jose had watched that game and connected with my agent after that game and they were happy with the way I played and kind of wanted to bring me in for preseason. And so that's how I ended up getting the call in December that I was going to head out to, to San Jose in January and kind of be on trial with the team. Yeah. I mean, once again, nuts, that's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's awesome too. Awesome. Not, not many times do people go from USL to MLS, especially without getting many games. Like I played 98 minutes that season Yeah, and I ended up signing an MLS contract the next year. And I've been on, I've been in the MLS for four years now. It's yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean that's awesome. So yeah, what's your experience been like? Uh, I know you've been between both teams. Um, so what's that been like for you? Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I definitely am very thankful for the experience along the way. Um, I have sixty games played. I have two games in Seattle and fifty eight in Reno. Uh, mm-hmm. Not many players get to play sixty games, goalkeepers especially in their entire career. And so I'm thankful for for that relationship that we had with Reno and being able to go play those games. Um, of course, I would have loved a little more opportunity in, in, in getting minutes with the first team, but it's just kind of just not how it's gone. And mm-hmm. instead of dwell on those those lack of opp- or the lack of opportunity moments, it's kind of just been about uh, abilities to make myself better, so that I know when that opportunity arises, like I'll get my chance. I did get to play one half of the uh, scrimmage against Manchester United at Levi Stadium in front of like 33,000 people, which was an amazing experience. And it was an awesome shutout because 2018, we ended up finishing last in the league. But, uh, I mean, we tied Manchester United 0-0, and I just had so much fun playing those 45 minutes. It was was amazing. Yeah, for sure. Did you you play in the USL this year? Uh, This year is the only year I did not know. There was one game before uh yeah. before the pandemic came that gotcha. uh jt had gone out and played uh so we were in a rotation this year prior where jt was on the bench one week i was on the bench next week we kind of switching off week after week mm-hmm. um and so yeah there was only one game that we even could have been a part of and jt went and played that week i was supposed to play the next week gotcha gotcha yeah that's right so, yeah, no games about. this year it's kind, of, it's kind of a weird thing to think about but as, as you said the 2020 has just been so weird from yeah. a from a playing aspect so it's kind of one of those that yeah it's not not really much of a surprise yeah yeah for sure so how do you like how do you stay prepared as as the backup goalie yeah man it's tough especially uh it, it's it's hard on the mind yeah. um it's hard on the mind it's hard on the body because when you're not quite involved in everything like when you're playing sometimes playing is almost easier on the body because you play a game you have a recovery session you have a couple of stuff so Mm -hmm. when you're not doing that you're kind of having a harder session on thursday you're having a harder session on friday and then on saturday you're usually running or lifting or something and then sunday you might maybe get the day off but the way our schedule was set up this year sunday was kind of a hard day back to prepare for a wednesday game and so yeah man it's been a bit of a it's been a bit of a task trying to get the trying to you know ease the mind and, and just be as prepared as you can because like, what do I gain at this point in just, like, dwelling on maybe mm-hmm. lack of chance, you know? Like, what what is there to gain from that? And so I kind of took that mindset 
and basically have done everything I could to make my body in the best shape I could to get my uh, couple injuries that I've had. I had surgery in 2018 because I played the whole season with a broken wrist. Uh, try to continue to get that improved. And, and I had a torn labrum in 2019 in my right shoulder. So I worked on that, the whole shelter in place and try to get it better. So it's just like little things like that, mm-hmm. that are, that are going to be the, the, the situation that allows my career to go on longer while the opportunity at this younger age maybe hasn't been there. Yeah. All right. Are you ready for the five Quincy questions? Let's do it. Uh, what's the most important skill or quality you feel has, has uh, made you successful as a pro player? Um, my mind, I think. Uh, the reason why I say I think mm-hmm. is because I've always felt as a goalkeeper that I've had the strongest footwork. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely been an important piece. Um, as I had said, I almost got my debut to be on the field. Uh, I don't think many goalkeepers could say that they would have ever been even subbed on or trusted enough to be subbed on, right? But mm-hmm. in 11 v 11, for the last five seasons, when I was in Seattle and the four years here, I have played multiple full sessions as field players in the 11 v 11. Mm-hmm. Which, it, which is kind of rare for goalkeepers. So I definitely think the footwork is an important piece. But I say my mind because, as, as we just said, the, the way that things have gone and the, way, and the way that you can feel isolated in the goalkeeper position and, and kind of just the, the trials and tribulations of, of the life of a pro, I think, it's, I think it's my mind that's allowed me to develop under difficult circumstances and try to gain experience and be better because of it and not necessarily find blame and find reason and everything and kind of just like be able to, to, to get out of it and actually learn something and be better because of it. I would say that. I like that. And what do you think the biggest mistake pro players are making? We think it's going to last forever, to be honest. I think that while we're playing, it's very easy to run with mm-hmm. no intent, to lift weights with no end game. Like it's just – to go through the motion sometimes because times can get tough. Your season can go in a way you didn't think it was going to go. You can have injuries. Uh, you can miss time. You can have all this stuff, but the years go by quick. So like mm-hmm. I'm, I've been in this five years, I've trained with a team every year for 10 years, but I've been in this five years. It's gone by really, really fast. And I think while we're playing, we just constantly think that we have like, like, oh, I'm 28 years old. I'm going to have seven, eight more years. Yeah. M- maybe. Maybe you are, maybe your ankle gives out. You don't like, so it's just, I I think it's a little bit of that, that if we would maybe be able to be able to hone in on a couple more things along the way, we'd have a a bit different appreciation through that. I think, I think we'd be able to prosper. Yeah. No, I definitely feel you on that. Me and you are the same age. And I, every time I'm like, dang, like I've been out of, I mean, I've been out of college for like six years now, seven years now. I'm like, Oh, this is getting weird. (laughs) quick it goes by quick man uh what advice would you give to a younger player uh trying to make a pro league i would it's it's difficult i i would say to know your role a bit um i think what i see so often um even when guys come and train with us and stuff uh guys can be good at some things and they can um really struggle with other things but when you're trying to like show yourself, you know, I think, I think knowing your role, knowing what you're good at, knowing whatever. So like if, if you have great feet, yeah, you can play out of the back, you do whatever. If you don't like if, and you try to do it anyways, which is awesome. And then you show that you're going to, you're going to be patient, whatever. But if you're trying to make a, make a team, that's not going to be the way to do it. Uh, it would be to develop your feet on the side. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can be good enough to get the opportunity when it comes. But I think just knowing your role and knowing what you're good at, knowing what you can bring to the table, 
I think that's a really important step. And, and just like that kind of, that creates a bit of self-awareness for you to be able to judge what you, what you're not there at, you know, like the the MLS level, even it's a step up from USL level and you can be the best player in USL. You go to the MLS, you struggle or you meet, it works both ways. You can, you can be the best player in the MLS. You go to the USL and it's just like a different league because it's so physical. It's so fast, but it's not necessarily, there's not as much intent as there is in the MLS and stuff. So I I would say kind of hone in on what, what you can do and what you can develop and, and be able to bring what you have to the table rather than trying to impress at something that you know you can't quite deliver yet. All right. Um, these next two could be either – you could answer them either soccer-related or, or life-related. Okay. Uh, what's something that most people think is true that you believe isn't? Most people think is true and believe it isn't. Um, I've, I don't know. Um, I would say from a soccer aspect – I believe kind of works vice versa here. I think we would believe that, but I think from a soccer aspect, uh, a lot of people might think that once you're in the league, it's easy Mm -hmm. and, and you can kind of, you can kind of coast. And I just, I've seen it with some teams, seen it with some players or whatever, but a good chunk of my friends who were fantastic soccer players, some of the best players I've ever played with, they don't play anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think there's things that have gone, they're gone against them and stuff and whatever and i think that there's the kind of that that idea that uh oh yeah woe is me it's so hard for us to be players and stuff like that but it's it's just it's a it's a job at the same time as mm-hmm. everything else that everybody else does in, in their own world it's a job and we're coming out here and it's all fun and games and we love it we breathe it i mean that's what literally that's why we do it all day but it's a job and uh it i think there's a bit more to it <laughs> than uh than kind of meets the eye sometimes yeah for sure uh, what's something you would move forward with if you weren't scared of what would happen if things didn't go well? Hmm. Move forward with, uh, I would be, these are good ones. It's a good question. I like this one. Um, the Quincy questions. Yeah. Quincy. Yeah. This is, this is Quincy in the nutshell right here. I love this. This man and I used to stay after for hours just talking in the locker room. Oh my gosh. This man and I would stay forever. Uh, I would say for an answer for this one, I think it would be easy and difficult to pick up everything and go somewhere else. And I mean that in a way that while playing here, uh, I've had offers in other countries and um, some good, some awesome. And some might surprise you in situations where you essentially think, well, he's an MLS player. He has no minutes. So that's a bit interesting. Right. Um, but people have watched USL games. Reno's had great success. We've won a lot of games when I've played. And I think just picking up everything and trying something else, I think would be something that I could easily do and mm-hmm. go somewhere else and try something new and get a fresh start and whatnot but I am very hungry for making success in the MLS right now. And I wouldn't necessarily say it's a, it's a fear, but I think I would be upset at myself to not give it another couple of years in the MLS and try to get opportunity here before branching out. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I feel you on that one. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a good question though. I mean, it makes you, it definitely yeah. makes you think for sure. Yeah. Are you ready for some fun questions? These are the last ones. Let's do it. Um, for who would you want to do a jersey exchange for in the MLS and then overseas? Oh, like uh, st- uh, from a star aspect in the MLS, um, I would love to trade a jersey with some of the guys that I've played with in the past. Mm-hmm. Meaning, 
I would like I, I've obviously traded jerseys along the way uh, a lot have been in the USL a lot of stuff like that but uh, I would love to trade a jersey that I wore in a game against a player like I have a bunch of respect for for Stephen Fry from the time that I played with him in Seattle and kind of who he is as a human and what he's doing in the world and all that um, I would love to trade a jersey with Stephen Fry or Tim Melia in a game that I played in because these are the guys that I appreciate and I'm thankful for kind of their uh, assistance and guidance that they've given me along the way. Um, I know that's not kind of the star aspect or whatever, but I just, I just genuinely, I've never held players that I don't know to that level. I mean, Zidane yeah. was my favorite player growing up. I loved the artistry, the, the, the abilities that this man had at his feet. It was just insane. He was my favorite player ever, but I met him in 2009 and I just shook his hand, and I was like, "Cool." Somebody's like, "Did you get a photo?" No. Did you get a signature? No. <laughs> that it's just an experience, man. It was amazing to meet the guy, to see him in person, watch him dribble, watch him do some stuff. There's a video. Uh, he was at the ESP camp that we were at as the under 17s for Real Salt Lake, where he like dribbles and cuts this goalkeeper like four times, and then like kind of passes the ball in the net. And like getting to see that in person, yeah, it's worth more than any signature or jersey. But if obviously if you could trade for somebody in the rest of the world, um, I played against. Drogba in, in 2018 and I had a class game against Drogba and I made I made a save in like the 80 something minute where mm-hmm. if I would have done anything different he would have scored the rebound and I somehow caught it and kept it and I have a picture of him like grabbing the back of my head I think that would have <laughs> been a great game to trade jerseys with him yeah. but instead I traded with my friend Saad Abdul Salam and I have no problems with that either <laughs> yeah that's cool um what are what do you like to do like when you're not playing soccer uh, I really like to read. I'm a bit of a book nerd on that one. I enjoy reading. Uh, I don't know. I just like to kind of learn stuff I don't know about. Um, I'm getting a bit more into cycling. I got a I got a bike at home. Um, and I'm gonna buy a road bike this off season. Uh, cycling. I enjoy golf. I enjoy yoga. I like to be active and whatever. And then if it's a day that I just need a day off, I love to watch movies. My girlfriend and I watch movies. We can watch them for hours. I love it. <laughs> you got you got any recent movies recommendations? Oh, we just finished the. We're we got one more to go, but we just we've been watching the whole Marvel series. It was just insane. <laughs> All yeah. twenty three of them or whatever. <laughs> uh, it's been a lot of fun to do that. It took a couple months. Um, girlfriend's zoned in, but if it gets like a certain time of night, yeah, she's gonna fall asleep. So <laughs> kind of been difficult to time the movies and whatnot, yeah. but. Uh, TV show we just finished Queen Gambit last night that was a crazy show okay yeah actually I just started watching that yeah I, I, I was honestly I was intrigued the whole time it was awesome even we just finished yeah. the, the, the end of the season yesterday and I was like whoa that yeah. was crazy uh, last one what's your favorite food favorite food I love teriyaki chicken I love it right. teriyaki chicken is my thing yeah um, if I'm cooking for myself or for my girlfriend on Tuesdays every single Tuesday we make ground turkey tacos and it's just so good but yeah, uh, shelter in place has been an interesting thing for everybody. But what it's done for us is allow us to cook more. And I did the body fat index stuff today and got the result that I want. And that just proves that home cooking is just where it's at. <laughs> for sure. Uh, well, appreciate you coming on. And uh, could you let the listeners know where to follow you on social media? Yeah, I mean, uh, I got an Instagram. I would say engage in Instagram more. Twitter uh, as well a bit, a little retweets here and there. But for the most part, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, we do some stuff through this uh, human rights organization um, called uh, 
footballclub.org. It's kind of something we've been working on uh, through the league. Uh, it's going to grow a little bit more, and we're hoping to be in stadiums and stuff uh, at some point in the future. I'm just trying to get the conversation of human rights going into people's kind of locker room and make that a conversation that doesn't have to be uncomfortable, but should be something that we should all kind of fight to strive for and, and be completely aware of from the get-go, you know. So that's where it is. Uh, Embersona1 is where you find me on Twitter and Instagram, though. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, again, appreciate it, and uh, good luck in the playoffs. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Quincy Marroquois here, and thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with someone you feel will get some value from it. And if you could take a moment to leave a review of our podcast wherever you're listening and let us know who you'd like us to interview next, we'll get working on that right away. You can listen to this full episode and more at perfectsoccerskills.com slash radio. That's perfectsoccerskills.com slash R-A-D-I-O. You can also enter to win free weekly soccer prizes, goals, balls, jerseys, player meet and greets, and more by heading over to perfectsoccerskills.com slash P-S-T-M to enter to win for free today.